You're listening to Make It Big, a podcast about all things e-commerce, created by Big Commerce. Hey there, everyone. Thanks for joining. Welcome to the Make It Big podcast. I'm Matt Crawford, General Manager of Shipping here at Big Commerce, and I'm thrilled to be hosting today's episode with two experts and some of my favorite partners in the industry, Route and Yapo. Katie and Margaret, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here with us. So today we're going to talk about different ways to master the post-purchase experience and using that post-purchase experience to increase retention and build long-term brand loyalty. I'd love to start off by just having you introduce yourselves. Katie, can you start for us? Hello, everyone. My name is Katie McKeever, and I currently lead product marketing for our loyalty solution here at Yapo. Prior to running product marketing, I actually spent three and a half years on our customer success side. So I worked really closely with some of our most strategic brands like Patagonia, Steve Madden, and Rebecca Minkoff, which extended beyond just our loyalty solution. So for those of you not as familiar with Yapo, we offer solutions for reviews and SMS marketing as well. Margaret, over to you. Great. Excited to be here today. I'm Margaret Julian, and I head up the product marketing team at Route. In my role, I focus on helping merchants up-level up their post-purchase experiences with a variety of different tools, ranging from package protection and package tracking to product discovery solutions. And excited to be here today and discuss all things holiday and post-purchase. Great. Thanks. You know, my favorite part of this conversation is seeing the shift as a supply chain geek, how the post-purchase experience, everything after you place the order is driving repeat purchases for shoppers. The conversation today is going to continue to reinforce things like, why is this important? How are customer experiences changing? How does customer experience drive brand loyalty and things like that? So let's jump right in. So let's start with consumer expectations. The first thing, and I think we all know this is, is consumer expectations continue to rise. Over the last few years, e-commerce has shifted, consumer behaviors have shifted, COVID's changed things. From y'all's perspective, maybe Katie, starting with you, what consumer trends have had the biggest impact on the buying experience and what are you seeing merchants do to rise to the occasion? Specifically with the boom of e-commerce, it's really changed expectations that there is a sense of immediacy and convenience. And there's also been this shift where there was a lot of empathy that was developed for humans that happened in 2020 and 2021. So we really see that brands are acknowledging that and understanding that they do have to really emphasize customer experience because it's no longer about the in-store experience. It's everyone expects speed. And I know Margaret is going to have lots to say about shipping and all of those components. But from an emotional side too, we're really seeing everyone's doubling down on retention and how can we get customers to see us as a brand that they want to establish a long-term relationship with. So a lot of different tactics out there, specifically, there's been a boom with loyalty programs about how there can be a better consumer experience, whether that's through exclusive offers, really unique content that's exclusive to loyalty members, and ways that brands can establish more engagement opportunities with customers. So really... Long story short, it's all about customer experience at the end of the day and how that will earn you retention. I love it. So speaking of loyalty and retention, as we get to the holiday season, Margaret, what new trends are we going to see or what are some of your predictions that we're going to see for this this holiday season, which is our second impacted by COVID? I loved what Katie was saying in terms of 
obviously from the consumer perspective, they're really interested in connecting with brands on a whole new level. In addition, I think specifically with this holiday season, there will be a strong desire to get out of the house. So last time, I think your only option was e-commerce. It was like, if you want to have that gift show up on your family's doorstep and you don't want to deliver it yourself, like that's your option. And now all of a sudden we've been locked inside for a year. It's like, great. I kind of want to get out. I kind of want to shop a little bit. And so I think we're going to see more of a hybrid than we ever have before of like, hey, e-commerce is like a part of this conversation and it's a part of like getting outside. There's obviously like at the same time safety concerns. So I think gifting becomes this new way of connecting with people and saying like, hey, I can't be there for safety reasons, but I'm going to be there with a like, you know, a gift on your doorstep. So I think specifically too with the holiday, we're going to see, and we've already seen a lot of interesting like e-commerce and physical retail experiences. So basically, historically, we saw that e-commerce was kind of a way to price shop and then going into store was a way to like try it on and be like actually physically experience that product. I almost see COVID having flipped that on its head to where now e-commerce is where you're doing all your shopping because you don't want to spend a lot of time in store because obviously like it's crowded, like high risk type stuff. And so e-commerce is where you're all of a sudden doing your discovery. And then the physical in store is just the purchase piece sometimes. So I think we'll see a lot of those dynamics start to play out. Really excited to see where that goes. I think the other thing is that Throughout the pandemic, everyone was experiencing supply chain disruptions. So when you bought something on the line, it wasn't an automatic like guarantee that that's going to show up on my doorstep when I think it will. And so I think that's created a whole new level of where is my order anxiety. Some really interesting articles published about that last year during the holiday season. I think we're only going to see an increase there because now customers have had a year to learn about how these kind of supply chain slowdowns can impact their actual final delivery date. And so I think that's going to be a key concern of customers and also a key opportunity for brands to provide customers with that reassurance. So just a few thoughts about that holiday mentality we'll see and how it will impact those consumer expectations. That's great. There's so much to unpack on the post-purchase fulfillment side and delays. We're, We're going to come back to that a little bit later. Let's stick though with brand loyalty. Um, and I'm going to come back to you, Margaret, but, but first we have a hundred days until Christmas. And when you talked about buying gifts, I started to get a little pit in my stomach that says, "Uh Oh, we got to start buying. And what am I going to give my gifts for my family? I won't see them. Uh, so, so thanks for that little pit. Um, so, so look, customer experience is foundational to building brand loyalty. You guys both gave some really good examples of, of how things are changing, but as we get to the holidays and merchants are looking to reach new customers, whether it be through gifts, uh, or other key purchases, What are some of the things that, or maybe start with the table stake things that merchants should be doing to build brand loyalty? And then two, what are some of the things that some brands are doing that might be innovative or disruptive or new coming up to this holiday season? And Margaret, I'll start with you. Yeah. So um, I think there's so much opportunity here. Uh, In terms of brand loyalty, uh, one of the interesting things we've seen um, at, at Route, where I work with, again, tens of thousands, 10,000 merchants across the board, uh, is that there's this interest in giving customers reassurance at checkout already that they're in good hands, that when they place an order, they can trust that it'll be delivered on time, that um, they'll get what they need, that it'll come arrive in great shape. And so we've seen this really high demand for package protection at checkout. Um, So interesting offering where it's like, hey, for 98 cents, like 
let us make sure that we can cover like any kind of damage to your item or if it get, gets lost or stolen off your porch, that everything is going to be okay, especially when it's a gift, like stakes are really high for that kind of a thing. Um, so, and we've seen an upwards of 50% increase in purchase intent when merchants can show like, hey, we've got your back on this area. So really interesting opportunity to build that brand loyalty, but also to give customers that confidence to push the buy button, especially when it's a brand new brand, right? And you've they've never purchased from you before. Um, other things that we're seeing, addressing basically, uh, there's an opportunity to, like I said, address that where's my order anxiety head on. Um, and there's really no, uh, there, there shouldn't be a huge gap after you push that buy button to get that reassurance. And so um, for us, we've seen really cool opportunities, even on the thank you page to kind of show people on a map, like, hey, here's your order. This is when it's coming. We're super excited. Um, but even great, like even more than that, especially if we're, if we know we're going to be facing delays, if we know that, hey, like supply chain, we don't know what's going to happen. We're going to have a significant demand. We expect slowdowns, right? To have a really solid plan in place for, um, notifications for, for communication during that gap when nothing's happening really, like we're waiting on fulfillment, we're waiting on, um, on these things that customers can kind of get that sense of reassurance, um, the whole way through, especially when there are gaps. Um, and then kind of finally, uh, it's, it's all about, it's not just, as I've talked to a lot of brands and asked them, you know, what is your, what are your strategies for bringing customers back to your store? A lot of them start with, hey, social media. We're a big social media brand. We have um, a great social following and that's where a lot of our product discovery starts. And I think that's awesome. I think beyond that, there are so many other channels too though um, to be exploring um, and thinking about, cool, how do I take an existing customer's post-purchase experience and turn it into a pre-purchase experience? So what are those opportunities or those existing touch points that I already have access to whether that is during the shipping process or um, basically giving them other avenues to engage, uh, whether it's email or social or really, really thinking around like a comprehensive um, plan. How can you be everywhere where, where they expect you to be um, kind of at the end of the day there? Uh, I think that, I think, uh, again, um, we all know it's really easy to focus on that first purchase, but the the value of bringing that customer back is just inestimable. So, so love that brands are are starting to think more along these lines, and that we're seeing such interesting um, ideas kind of post purchase. Thanks for that, Margaret. I know when I get to the purchase confirmation page, the, the nice visual tracking logo, and then downloading the route app, it's just easy. It gives you more comfort, and then even buying from a new retailer, being able to buy the route insurance and checkout just gives you a little bit extra maybe confidence or, or happiness. It says, I don't know the brand, but I know Route and I trust Route. Uh, and it makes my my desire to buy a little bit higher. So so, so Katie, I'm going to come back to you. Um, Margaret talked a little about some of the table stakes or new things. What are some of the ways that you're seeing, especially for the holidays, that merchants get creative around brand awareness? And maybe a couple tips that merchants can communicate or merchants can use to communicate their values or mission to customers during the holiday season. Yeah, so it, this is so important as, again, I've already kind of mentioned things about how people became more empathetic and uh, the reality is that consumers are voting with their wallets. And we've seen a huge shift with brands 
realizing that customers really care about where the products came from and what the brand stands for. So they uh, have so much choice today, consumers do. And so they're making a lot of those decisions based on, is this brand doing something to make the world a better place? Or do I believe in uh, what they're doing? Uh, worst case is if they don't agree with, you know, the way you are making your products. So, I mean, I spent three and a half years, again, leading the fashion vertical at Yapo, and there was a major shift to focus on sustainability. So um, as brands are making this shift and are starting to support causes, um, it's really critical that they find ways to educate consumers about that. Uh, again, the fashion vertical. So everyone was claiming that they were sustainable. But if I went to their homepage, I didn't see much about it. Um, and so a lot of what I always spoke about and what I continue to with brands, especially as they are trying to build out loyalty programs, is use creative ways to educate customers. Because otherwise, like they might not know about this brand cause. So specifically, like cool ways within loyalty programs is hey, give points for having somebody read a blog post that talks about what you stand for. Um, also, like watch content about this. Go to this particular page to read more about like the trees that we're planting. Um, and what I really, really think is cool is providing an opportunity for consumers to actually participate. So not only do I feel that I'm um, aligning with a brand that I care about, but if I'm passionate enough, maybe I want to find ways that I can also contribute to that same cause. So really cool things surrounding the holidays and providing opportunities for people to earn points for donating to a cause, um, earn points for recycling. Uh, we see that a lot in like cosmetic brands, for example. Um, and uh, lastly, the, the biggest thing that we've seen as a trend within loyalty programs specifically is like, uh, being able to exchange instead of your points for a discount, because uh, we know that margins are are tough, especially with holiday promotions. Um, allow consumers to just donate points in exchange. Um, we saw Sephora was probably the biggest retailer that started to do this um, throughout COVID as they really started to align with um, some major organizations. So it's a really, really cool opportunity, again, to let consumers actually participate in the cause that you stand for as a brand. I love it. We were just talking before the show of, of all the emails and promotions we get and the different hooks um, that brands use to get you to come back and read. Uh, let's keep going though on loyalty programs, Katie. And when I think of loyalty programs, it's a free gift for the purchase. It's a, it's a, it's a two-day shipping program. It's spend X to get Y points. What are you seeing with merchants that works and what are some tips for things maybe that don't work well for brands too, as, as they evaluate loyalty programs going into the holiday? Yeah. So the biggest thing that uh, brands learned is the importance of being able to uh, evolve and be agile. So COVID hit quick and there were just constantly things that you as a brand were trying to have to do to adjust to changes with consumer behavior, et cetera. So the, the most important thing to remember when you have a loyalty program or you're building one is that it needs to be agile and it needs to evolve and be in line with all of your 
organizational changes. So it really needs to be embedded in your marketing strategy. So uh, I talk a lot about um, make sure that if you're promoting things like a, a new collection drop, and that's a huge part of um, what your brand is working on during a specific month, make sure that you're running a double points campaign to create more awareness around that new collection, for example. So there needs to be like reasons for customers to re-engage with the program. And again, having a solution that allows you to be that agile. So it's not just a rewards page that lives maybe linked in your footer. It should be something that's like really a part of your organization. When you think about the most successful loyalty programs, it's a very deep part of that brand. Um, so, uh, the other thing outside of agility and evolution is ensuring that customers earn for things beyond transactions. This happened even pre-COVID and consumers were yelling like, stop just making it so that the only way I earn is when I spend and making it impossible to even get to a point where they earned enough points to redeem. Uh, so we've definitely seen that last year brands were like, okay, I will now make this major shift and providing tons of new ways for customers to earn through engagement. And under, brands really need to understand the importance of customer engagement, like social follows. The way that you stay top of mind in a consumer's mind is that they follow you on social channels. They're, in, they're seeing you uh, in ways and times when they're not just shopping. Um, so it's, it's to your benefit to let them earn for that type of behavior. And again, there's really cool ways to incorporate brand mission, which we know is important because at the end of the day, the emotional connection and ways that consumers start to feel you as part of their brand identity, that's what earns you the long-term loyalty and retention. But there are cool ways that you can use like psychology with points and, oh, I'm getting something back for this. It's really important that consumers feel that value exchange and loyalty is a great tool to get them to do those things that you want them to. Katie, I love it. One other thing beyond the loyalty, I feel like when I text a brand back and forth, whether it be customer service or questions, I feel closer, just the act of texting instead of an email, which just feels a little cold. And I think back over the last year and a half, I text more with businesses and e-commerce sites than I ever have in the past. It feels like another major shift that's happened uh, over the last year. What's your perspective? Maybe, maybe Margaret, what's your perspective on how texting can help either drive loyalty, retention, or just better uh, engagement between merchants and, and consumers? Yeah, it's really exciting to see uh, texting emerging as a new norm. Uh, customers expect it. They want to see that as an option. Uh, but it's really interesting because I think a, a common mistake brands can make is treat it like email. Um, which is, again, the cold, maybe a little bit colder, a little bit less personal. Um, and I think there's a major difference for a consumer in how I see my text messages versus how I see my emails. I give brands different permissions um, without telling them <laughs> on what they're allowed to sell me or to tell me um, when and how relevant it has to be for me to appreciate it versus feel annoyed. Um, and so I think... Uh, with SMS um, comes its higher visibility. So you'll get more attention. Um, and that kind of creates this high risk, high reward situation. Um, and so uh, 
you want it you want to make sure that whatever you're sending, especially if it's an SMS message, is either extremely relevant or is so delightful that you're very confident that you're not going to trigger that annoyance button. Because with, with SMS messages, there aren't those great email filters that say like, hey, here are your promotional emails, read them on your own time. Um, SMS is your front and center on their screen. Um, you're going to have their attention for just a few seconds. And if you're not really, really careful and respecting like what you're trying to send there, um, if it feels a little bit um, off in terms of timing, um, it could actually hurt you more than help you. Um, and so uh, looking at like personalization, relevant content, um, kind of treating it as something that's completely different from an email blast. That's not just like, hey, guess what? 20% off today. Um, Cause that can kind of come up off as potentially disruptive versus leveraging scenarios where customers have already given you permission to do that is actually like potentially the better scenario. So for example, um, with Route, one of the things that we do is we offer customers the option to opt in to SMS notifications about their order which is something they're telling us, they're giving us explicit permission. Yes, I wanna know about this specifically. Um, creates a really great positive high engagement experience where it's like, okay, cool. They're, give, they're being super proactive. They're telling me what I need to know, when I need to know it. Um, and so it's a very powerful tool and it can be extremely helpful as long as it's as used with caution. I actually have a couple of cool examples too of like SMS because obviously, the only people that we give permission to are like the, the top brands. So if as a consumer, I'm saying, yes, okay, you can text me, that that is an invite of they want to engage and um, they're willing to probably share more with that brand. So like preferences, for example. So brands are like struggling big time today you know, the fear of the cookie apocalypse and like, how am I going to get more customer data? There are really cool ways within SMS that it's like, okay, this is an intimate channel. Let me now ask customers, what are your preferences? Or, you know, things like, what is your skin type? And have that conversational back and forth and be able to use that information that they're sharing on that channel for personalization. Because Margaret, as you said, it's like they expect it to be personal and it has to be relevant. So it's a really unique, cool channel where it's like, it's intimate enough. Now I can ask for more information. And consumers understand, like, they're asking this, and I know how they're going to use it. So now I'm more comfortable sharing it. Um, so it's a, it's a really cool channel to see how it evolves and different ways that that, like, intimacy really unlocks opportunities for brands to, to take advantage. And that's the thing I love too. The, the word you kept using was conversational. And it's something you alluded to, Matt, as well, when you were saying, you know, I like that back and forth with a brand. And it's a little bit different than email. I never expect to be able to email a brand back unless I've like reached out to customer support specifically. But that expectation gets turned on its head when I'm doing text messages, unless I've been getting blasted with like 20% off today. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, well, there's another one, right? So really capitalizing on that whole conversation element is huge, um, making it feel like there's a give and take, a back and forth, and that I'm not just talking to a robot um, can go a long way to that brand humanization you were talking about um, that really sets brands apart and kind of builds those long-term relationships. 
This is great. Let's do one more on the loyalty side and let's switch to post-purchase. Um, so for both of you, how about one favorite example, maybe from last holiday season or lately? Tell me a great experience that you had that drew you to that drew you back to a brand. Katie, I'll start with you, then Margaret. Sure. Uh, so mine's not so much a, a specific like shopping experience, but something that I really, really admired uh, is Patagonia. I mean, I've, I've been a fangirl of them my entire life, but uh, then I worked closely with them. And last year, they really, really took a stance. And when everyone is you know, scrambling for how do I have the, the best uh, sale for Black Friday and Cyber Monday? Um, and, you know, people were really pushing boundaries, like reopening retail stores. Um, and it was, I'm sure, a huge question for a lot of brands, like, is this safe? And consumers weren't sure. And Patagonia just completely shut down their retail stores. And they really started to, like, talk about, we care about our employees. And, like, I really see them as a a brand that leads in like how it's okay to uh, not always like have to be promotional or like focus on the sale at the end of it. Um, and they've obviously stood this test of time be because of that and consumers respect it. And they're like, wow, I really admire that. And that's what makes me constantly um, go back to them again and again. And um, so I think it's really cool to see it's okay to take a, care of your employees. And it's actually really, really important to do that, uh, especially now. They closed down and they made a really good amalgamation between their brick and mortar and their their online, where their Bopus is great too. And it's it's a store that you say, I buy into how they, I buy into their decisions they made and they made online shopping so easy. I, I love that example. Margaret, how about you? Well, mine, unfortunately, I love, I loved your story first, Katie, like, oh, it's so great. And, and that those emotional connections to brands, I feel like, especially with COVID, we got to see brands step up to the plate and change what they were doing. And it, I loved every bit of that. Um, mine actually just comes from like a little bit further back pre-COVID world. Um, and, and Matt, uh, hearkening back to your earlier comment about having a pit in my stomach about all those gifts that yeah, maybe I need to start thinking about, um, even though it might feel early. Um, I'm one of the world's most accomplished procrastinators of gift, gift, <laughs> gift purchasing. So um, I really have good intentions every year. And then it really comes down to the wire almost every year. And very often I'm that person who has the box under the Christmas tree that's empty with a like cute little like printout of here's what you're going to get in a few weeks. <laughs> so very, very guilty here. Um, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and so uh, one of the things I really appreciated from one of the brands that I love is Chatbooks. So um, they actually started messaging customers far, far in advance of when the last day would be to get your book by <laughs> by Christmas time. And many brands do this, but like the way Chatbooks did it was like really friendly and funny. Um, and it made me feel like, oh, okay, I don't have to feel guilty about this. This doesn't have to, like, it's okay that this is like still hard for me. And they were like pleasantly persistent enough that I was like, oh, I'm, I am gonna get this ordered in time. And it feels so great. <laughs> um, the other thing that I thought of that I've never experienced, but thought, Man, wouldn't it be so cool if a brand could do that? And they would totally win my loyalty immediately if they could, would be like, 
hey, we know you're not going to get your package in time for Christmas, but here's a printout. <laughs> like, like, give me something pretty that I could print out and have immediately to give that person when I goofed um, and make it fun and ex- like kind of funny. Um, that would be hugely interesting to me as a consumer because, again, like I really struggle with that, that putting it off until the very last second. So, yeah. I'm the exact same way. Like my mother has gotten concert tickets from me <laughs> several times because I'm like, ah, I can buy this day up and it'll seem like I thought in advance. So Margaret, I'm the exact same way. And I'll also say that a lot of things that get me during the holidays is when they're like, you can treat yourself. And like, that's bad that I think that way, but it, it works. It's like, hey, if you buy this, don't forget, like you can also shop for yourself. And I'm such an addicted shopper that I, I end up like, okay, I bought a Rebecca, Rebecca Minkoff purse for my mom last year. And I thought about it because they did hook me with like, hey, we know that you've been eyeing this bag. And also you can shop. So <laughs> um, I totally have the exact same experience. You're not alone. Huge procrastinator. And I love that idea of like a printout because um, that would be quite funny. <laughs> no, I and I'm so glad I'm not alone on this. But like the thing is, I think we're going to see this even more intensely this year. Like I said, right? Like so people are more aware that like it's going to take longer to get my stuff. Hopefully it shows up. I think we get a little bit more of license this year on unlike late gifts because everyone's experienced things are late and whatever. But um, I think especially this year is when I would love to see a brand experiment with that. And I kind of like, if you decide to do that for your store, just let me know and I will go buy something from you just to have that experience. I love it. You heard it first from Margaret Julian. If you're giving printouts as a last minute shopping experience. Look, I, I think we've got the three new friends that we can peer pressure each other to make sure we aren't waiting to last minute this year. Um, let, let's keep going on this point though of delivery timelines delays, just everything that goes into that post-purchase experience. I think you all know you buy something, you expect it there, it doesn't show up. That's that's the worst experience you can deliver. So what, what should merchants expect and shoppers expect in terms of speed, predictability, um, consistency in the you know in the in the next couple months? Uh, Margaret, let's let's start with you. Sure. I mean, we all really, really love two-day shipping. We we're addicted. Um, at least I am and many people I know are too. Um, the thing is that especially with COVID and with, especially with so many amazing like local brands, I actually feel like COVID was, or the pandemic kind of raised my awareness of a lot of the local brands that are close to me and I really want to support them. And so like, to me, this, this, um, it, to me, it feels like a trade-off. Like I either can have two day shipping with Amazon or I go support a local brand and accept the fact that it's going to take longer. Um, and I don't feel like that trade-off is actually like one that I have to make, but it's something that we have to communicate, like brands need to be able to communicate to customers and like, well, how can I help you like feel that same sense of security? Um, so obviously two-day shipping is ideal, but in the cases that you can't have it, um, which is, you know, a lot of, a lot of brands out there, um, I think uh, diving into, so first of all, doing some sort of exercise with your team on, hey, why do customers really need that two-day shipping? It's because like, hey, I need that reassurance that's going to be there really quickly. I need it because I'm a last minute shopper. And and so like, I have no time to wait for my item. 
And then start thinking about, are there marketing campaigns that we can do to help customers avoid any problems with the fact that we can't do two-day shipping? So whether that is like, hey, like, um, let's make sure customers are aware, like, it's going to take likely three to five weeks to get this processed. And saying that early could be could go a really, really long way um, to kind of managing those expectations, right? Um, I think other things to kind of be aware of is that with shipping, and when something goes wrong, that's hard to predict, right? It's almost impossible. We know that volume's gonna be big. Um, we know that like FedEx was complete and, and UPS and every single mail, car- mail carrier out there last year was completely overwhelmed. I think we can expect some of that volume back again. And the challenge is that most customers when there are shipping problems end up blaming the brand. There was a really interesting study by uh, kind of like the last mile carrier called Dropoff. And, uh, they found that 94% of customers blame a merchant when there's a shipping issue, whether that's the package was lost, stolen, or damaged, or it was late. Um, and so even though it's not, not your fault, it's unfortunately something that customers associate with your brand. And so um, basically, and, and then on top of that, like when something does happen, it happen, it really can impact loyalty. So holiday shoppers reported being 28 times less likely to recommend a brand that delivers a damaged gift. Again, that would never be your fault, but it could be an experience that your customer has. Um, And then delivering a gift, uh, if they, okay, 20, they could be, if they're, if the gift is late, they are 35 times less likely to recommend a brand. That's insane. Um, So yeah, it's it's high stakes, this little piece of the puzzle. And so um, again, it's all about like, how do I get in front of it if something does go wrong? How do I manage expectations before that parcel ever gets into the mail? And then also like when something goes wrong, how do I make sure that that solution feels instant? And that's tough when you're in the e-commerce space and maybe that, that replacement package or whatever it is, is gonna take a minute to get there. But the faster you can get them that help, um, generally the better things tend to go. And this is where I would say like, this is where you look at, you take a good look at your technology stack, you look at your support staffing and you're like, and and really like the investment there could pay off in, in a huge way, just because again, you're building that long-term loyalty and brand retention so that if something goes wrong, you can get ahead of it really, really quickly and maintain that um, positive customer experience. So Margaret, one of the things that 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 brings up in my mind is I'm a big buyer of chocolate online. That's the only subscription deliveries I get with coffee and chocolate and chocolate melts in the summer in Texas. And I know when I get a delivery, I'm watching it all along the way to make sure it gets or it gets the mailbox quick and I go open it and I eat it. And I can think of an example just recently where the box didn't get delivered. And I went and I immediately, I went to the mailbox looking for it. So it's gotta be there. It's always on time. And it wasn't there. And I, dreaded walking back to my house. Like I have to go email the brand and say, my package didn't get there. I'm going to argue about it. And now I lost my chocolate and it's going to get here melted. I actually texted the brand. Immediately they said, cool, we'll fix it. We'll take care of it. They sent it back to me or they sent me another, another box. And what I love about it was I took an example where I was really, really nervous. The brand made it right. We didn't disagree over, did the package get here or not? And they chose to fix it. And I, I guarantee I'm going back to them next time. And I'm remembering that bad example that they made really, really good. Well, I was just going to add to that. Like, I think your dread actually kind of contributes to the delight at the end of the day when they can make it right. And when it is instant um, and it's there isn't a disagreement. And and most of us, I think, feel that pit in your stomach of like, oh, I got to go talk to the brand. Oh, this is so annoying. And that 
all can be turned immediately on its head. And I think the key thing is speed um, and alignment, like you said. So yeah, they need to like agree with you as quickly as possible. And then making you right as quickly as possible are kind of those two main pieces. I love that. All right, Margaret, what else should brands be doing uh, that heavily contributes to the experience outside of um, things we've talked about so far? With holiday shipping, again, I'm all about um, managing expectations early. So communicating during the delivery, um, pre-delivery, uh, if something changes, to be so proactive about that. But then also like holiday shipping brings up things like hey, what are your gifting options? If it is going under the tree, do you have to do extra work to make it look good? Um, uh, there's there's the whole like sensation around like unboxing. How is that experience gonna, what is that experience gonna be like for your customers? Um, is that gonna create the surprise and delight that you're looking for? Um, and then beyond that, there's even sustainable shipping options to think about, right? So getting back to all of the like really important trends that Katie's been surfacing about Hey, people care about um, what impact they're having on the world when this when this gift is going to be delivered to them. So, are there options to to talk about if it's not going to be fast? At least, is it going to make sure is it going to be less harmful to the environment, or is there some other benefit that you can tout about your shipping um, that isn't two day shipping but still makes it really valuable? Now, the the not so fun part about this holiday season shipping, the prices that the merchants are going to have to absorb. Right, UPS has been quiet so far, but FedEx and USPS have come out with, with surcharges that start from, I think, the beginning of November. They start to raise towards the end of November and are going to be in place all the way through the end of the year until the start of January. What do you all see merchants do as they face these cost increases? It's a great question. And um, the interesting thing is that I saw some data recently that talked about um, how shipping fees and un other unexpected fees can be the number one reason that customers decide to abandon the cart. Um, and so I think this gets back to what uh, a little bit of the, again, the transparency piece that we've heard Katie talk about kind of in a different context, but this is, it's super important here too. It's not just like transparency on like who we are as a brand. It's also transparency with the customer upfront about these are the shipping and taxes that you can expect. And the more steps you cause a customer to go through without understanding those pieces, the less, the more it's like, if you cause them to go through a lot of steps, then the more disappointed they're going to be if they get to the end of it and they find that those costs are unacceptable for some reason. Um, and so I think a super, super helpful and, and powerful tool to kind of combat those, those rising costs would be to be very transparent about them early in the buying process. So if you even potentially on your product page, say like estimated shipping or something that gives customers a sense for when I go to checkout, I'm not gonna be hit with a shipping charge that I didn't expect. At least when I was considering that purchase upfront, like I knew what that was. Um, I think uh, this is an interesting opportunity for authenticity too. I think um, like Katie said, this is the, we're we're seeing so much humanization, and that's good both for, for our brands and so potentially even a note of like, hey, shipping costs increase. We're so sorry. Like, um, this is what we're doing to offset that, or like what, whether it's like loyalty points or something like that. Maybe this is another interesting place to leverage your loyalty program um, to help uh, feel customers feel like, hey, I'm still getting the value I wanted, and and I think we are going to see understanding from customers if we're communicating about like, hey, this isn't something we choose. We try to keep shipping as low as possible. Here are some ways that we're trying to do that for you or whatever else it is. Um, 
and then potentially like if if I, I think one of the things that um, may, I've seen lots of merchants use with great success is a free shipping offer, right? Like, so you get over a certain amount in your cart, um, making that free shipping uh, possible, potentially a way to offset this cost would be to increase your free shipping threshold a little bit, um, which uh, again, just from a, like a pure accounting perspective helps you cover that cost a little bit more effectively, hopefully encourages your customers to put a little bit more into your cart and then I think the last piece would be, um, again, the one of the things that can make shipping really, really expensive at the end of the day is if it doesn't get to the customer and it gets lost, stolen, or damaged, and it doesn't show up on your porch, then you got that whole replacement cost to worry about. Um, it's about like, hey, letting customers have an option and opt in and actually financially contribute to that protection upfront so that if something happens, the customer knows they're protected, but also it helps you kind of offset those costs on your side, um, which is what like Routes package protection is really all built around. It's like, hey, we know this is a really tough thing for merchants, like to having to carry that cost. Um, and so there's a way to for us to kind of step in, be the mediator, let the customer participate in, in that process of like, yep, um, we know shipping's a wild card right now. Um, and we've seen a lot of really positive uh, things come out of that, both for customers, again, peace of mind, and then merchants. Hey, like I know I can count on that, that not being a, a major hit to my bottom line at the end of the season. We're seeing like a, as we prep for Black Friday, like Cyber Monday and recommendations, um, like free shipping used to be table stakes. And now when it is really costly and like you can't do that, um, we're talking a lot about um, how leverage the value exchange of like, okay, if you're going to give it away to customers. They should be giving you something back. So it's like, this is a huge opportunity to like promote the hell out of if you have a loyalty program, like getting people to join your loyalty. And like, this is how you're going to get free shipping. If you join now, or if you don't have a loyalty program, like, this is how you can get people to uh, sign up for email, sign up for SMS, like fill out a survey for you to collect valuable customer data. And in exchange, then you'll give them that uh, like free shipping. Because this is a time where like if you have shoppers like Margaret and I, like I would do a lot to get expedited shipping uh, at a, and have it not cost me an arm and a leg. So if you asked me to fill out like a 25 question survey, this is the time that I would actually take the time to do it. So definitely take advantage of, as a merchant on that, like while respecting customers, but you know, it's, it's a good opportunity. I'll second that. I mean, the, the amount of things I would be willing to do to avoid shipping costs is pretty long <laughs> or to decrease them or to like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, ask me anything and I'll probably say yes. <laughs> you know, I'm a big, big believer in the checkout experience, both the showing the delivery times, giving customers choice a fair price. Those are the first step in creating that post-purchase experience that you need to build on. What are some of the other communication points in the post-purchase that are most crucial? Because we know brands are, our merchants are so engaged when their product is in, in transit and right after they get it. So, so what are some of the, 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 those touch points that are most important? Yeah, some of the data we see on our side is that customers will um, check the route app upwards of seven times per order per week. Um, to get updates on their order status. And I'm one of them. Like I will definitely like multiple times a day be like, oh, is it changed? Oh, is there an update? Um, 
but let's talk about, you know, like, um, what are those moments, those, those moments that matter? Um, and I think one of them is immediately after purchase. I need validation that I made the right choice. I need validation that like, yes, this brand understand, like has received my order. Um, I think the second opportunity is pre-shipment comms. So anything like your item is being handmade. Um, what I did get an email from a brand once about that and, and it was really cool. And I thought, oh, okay, cool. I'm going to lower my expectations for when I receive this item um, because I know it's being handmade. And so I like, I have more buy-in for that, right? Like I have more patience for that and I get value out of it. Um, uh, and then in transit comms. So, hey, I want to know like, customers like are really key, keen on understanding exactly where the package is. Um, we live in the day of like, you know, your Uber or your DoorDash where you can pull up your map at any time and see where the driver is like on their way to you. That's kind of the expectation we're dealing with a lot of the time. Um, and so anything you can do in transit to kind of let them know, like it's making progress, still on our radar. Um, and then last off, obviously, like um, once they get the package, there's the thank you. There's the opportunity to reach out for a review, for um, sharing your positive experience with others. And I, I'm sure, Katie, you have some things to add there. So those are a lot of touch points. That's a lot of options. Um, and, at, and at the end of the day, I think the, the merchants who are most successful are the ones who are turning that post-purchase um, interest and engagement into that pre-purchase opportunity. So it's like, great, I'm going to earn your loyalty. I'm going to earn your trust. I'm not going to serve you completely irrelevant content, but I will make it easy for you to continue to discover and explore and understand more about who we are as a brand. What other what other things do we do? What else might you care about? Um, that kind of thing. You know, one of, one of the the interesting parts of this is when I when I when I talk to a brand. We talk about post-purchase and I ask them about theirs and they give me this theoretical. Any brand that's listening now, go on your site, make a purchase. Go on Amazon or your favorite site, make a purchase and compare. And oftentimes it gives the merchants a really targeted list of things that they can go do to make their experience better. So anyone listening, I'd say buy from your own site and see is it something that would make you as a shopper want to go back. Often that's the best thing I can give to a merchant because they start to realize I can do this and it's easy. I just need to to put a little bit of focus and a little bit of care into it. It's something that everyone can do very easily. They can make a change now in place tomorrow or next week before the holidays and make an impact. Um, so, so great tips, Margaret. I love that. And, and building on that, it's not just your own store, but as you do your holiday shopping, right? Every one of us is like merchant and consumer at the same time. I love getting inspiration from other great brands out there, right? Like, so, so always watching for like, hey, that brand like created a moment of delight for me and like creating that little file of things that again, you can prioritize, you can draw from. And, and I love what you said about it being low lift in many cases, like these aren't, these aren't earth shattering things. Um, this is not extremely expensive stuff um, to implement. So agreed. This is such a great opportunity. Katie, what are some of the more creative ways you've seen merchants do what Margaret just said or, or others that are related? Well, first of all, I'll tell, say that, Margaret, the second you talked about how many people check their <laughs> uh, phone, uh, we did a panel like about a month ago together. I'm that person and I do it all the time. I found myself doing it before this podcast. And I was like, Margaret is right. I check it like an insane person. <laughs> and now I'm just hyper aware. Um, <laughs> but um, I would say like at Yapo, like we are everything post-purchase. So like beyond the second that the customer 
gets it. Um, uh, specifically when I'm talking about like reviews and uh, loyalty. So I think like really Margaret set this up well, like there's all this time after they've made the purchase that they're anticipating when it gets there. And when it gets there, you have to know like what their sentiment was in order to be able to, if you're not mad and, you know, texting right away to say like, where's my chocolate? Um, but maybe they had a really bad experience and you need to ask for that review to understand and know right away so that you can provide a discount code or, or try and fix it. Um, and also to take advantage of people who are happy. Um, there's a lot of time where, yes, like you will hear from your most disgruntled customers. And unfortunately, sometimes they'll find any way to let their opinion be known when they're frustrated. So it is important too that you have a means to collecting positive feedback. I think for your customer services team as well, they need to like hear the good things. Um, and reviews is like the most important time um, to get that positive feedback that might be more passive. Unfortunately, people who have great experiences aren't always like actively going out to like write that review. I myself am guilty of that. But when I get the like review request, um, that it's, you know, all right, okay, I'll give that five-star review. Yes, especially with the holidays. There's so many cute things about like gifting. I remember when I was going through um, the, as a, a CSM and there were people who were talking about like this, I bought this for my, my grandchild and you should have seen their face on Christmas and like the videos that people would submit from that uh, experience. So it's a really cool opportunity to, Again, like humanize your brand through the voice of your customers. Um, really let people understand like the authenticity of who you are, not through like Instagram filters of like the best photos on your social media. Like it's a cool opportunity around the holidays when people share are taking more photos to capture those um, and have that featured throughout uh, your store experience on, on e-commerce. Oh, and I am a sucker for those. So so when I go and, and, I'm, and I'm evaluating, hey, do I want to buy this thing? I often will look on the page to find it. Do they have any user-generated content? Because that's something I feel like I can trust just a little bit more um, because it isn't polished. Like, I love that. I, I want to see it unpolished. I want to say like, okay, but when I actually have this thing in my, in my house, like, and the lighting is not perfect, what is it going to look like? Or, um, you know, it, it's just that it's, it's that authenticity, right? So like that, that user-generated, um, like vote of confidence goes such a long way, um, for me personally as a consumer. You can't tell right now, but I'm 4'11". <laughs> So when I buy things online, like I need to not see it on a six foot tall model. So I am like dying to go through and see what people said in reviews. And especially if I can see like how it fit on somebody who looks shorter, it's like the biggest thing I look for. And I'm so frustrated when I'm shopping and I can't see that. Um, so outside of holidays and like those cute unboxing moments, it's like, it's such a critical part of a shopping experience. And yeah, for any brands listening, like, please hear us loud and clear as consumers and the individuals we are that like, it's a, it's a must have to help us convert. This has been so much fun. There, and there's so many exciting things happening in commerce. And I know we're out in Yacht Post specifically, there's so many new things. Walk me through some new offerings or launches. I know there's, there's some fun stuff coming up, but walk our audience through some things that are launching soon for both of you. Maybe uh, Katie, starting with you. Sure. Uh, so 
as I mentioned, uh, obviously Yapo offers a number of different product lines. So we offer reviews, UGC, loyalty, referral, and SMS. And the biggest thing that we are focusing on as an organization now is how we can have brands really take advantage of customer data that we collect across all of those different product lines. So uh, in Q4 and early Q1, and really what's going to be our focus for much of 2022 is we're building this segmentation engine that will be the like true unification of customer data across all of the product lines. So there will be unique use cases within each product, of course. So for loyalty, you know, I can find my top spenders and do very specific campaigns to those users. But imagine a world where we have all of that review data. Now I know somebody left a five-star review, they uploaded a photo, and they're a part of my loyalty program. I'm going to treat them completely differently than a different customer. And that information can be used through the execution of SMS campaigns, for example. Like we talked a lot today about like people want to be treated as individuals. So we're really focusing on collecting and enabling our merchants to be able to take advantage of that robust data we're collecting across all the Apple products. Sounds amazing. Margaret, how about you on the, on the route side? So much exciting stuff coming down the pipe. I'm so excited. Really, Route historically has been focused on a package protection product. That's what most people know us for. Uh, and we've developed two incredible other products um, that I'm really, really excited to kind of get out in the world and um, to create more value for merchants. And those are um, package tracking, which we've mentioned a couple of different times, and then product discovery. Um, so... Again, we see the post the post purchase experience as that opportunity for creating a pre purchase experience, and so um, we're all about how do we help brands extend their store into that tracking experience, so that hey, like whenever I'm checking on that package, I can I also like really easily can start exploring and discovering and um, finding other products that might be interesting to me. So that's showing up in the form of like hey, product recommendations that are really subtle within transit, um, not commanding your attention, but they're there. And it's a really cool way to kind of explore and discover. But also like there's even a dedicated new section in the app that's called Discover, where it's all about discovering new brands and especially new brands that you love. So um, little uh, merchants will have the option to add tags to their brands, causes that they support like sustainable or female founded or um, you know, things about that brand that set them apart, that make them unique, that create that emotional connection. And then you can, you as a, as a user have the option to go through and say like, Hey, I really want to know more about my local brands. Talk to me about who else is, you know, within 10 miles of me, or I want to know more about like the female founded brands that are close to me. Like what, what can I do to support and basically giving merchants that option to tell the story front and center. Um, and also like, at a moment when it's super relevant, when again, like during transit, interest in your brand is still extremely high. So, so excited for all of that. Um, and there are some major announcements kind of coming up in the next couple of days that I've been busily working at um, to make all of this available. So that's it from me. It's a new channel now for, for brands and for shoppers. So, and, and we heard it first on the Make a Big Podcast. Uh, that's, that's two today. Um, so, so if our audience can walk away with just one or two takeaways, uh, what would they be? Or what do you want the brand to remember, Katie, um, that's listening and is leaving, leaving today's session? 
Yeah, I think it's it's so easy to get wrapped up in the hype and the pressure that you have as a merchant to have an amazing Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and like really thinking about how do we have the best sale? How do we acquire the most customers? And it is just so important to remember that the world is completely different. Consumers think completely different than they did before. So don't miss this opportunity and really like, you can win more customers through authentic experiences, focusing on brand love, really emphasizing your brand values, because that oftentimes that is actually what consumers are choosing uh, is the reason for who they're going to shop with during the holidays versus what it used to be three years ago of who is the best sale. So like really think about brand love, uh, even though I know there's a ton of pressure um, but just to try not to forget about, uh, how to be authentic during this time. Thanks, Katie. Margaret, over to you. So I love everything you said, Katie. Um, and I think brands, once, once they've thought through, how are we building that authentic connection with customers to make sure you're following that up with experiences on the customer side that build trust. Um, because once you've gotten that brand land, brand love, and you've combined it with brand trust, you're in a really good spot. Um, and I think keys, keys for doing that are being proactive and transparent. We've talked a lot about that today. Um, making sure you're most like you're doing what it takes to manage and set customer expectations instead of falling prey to them. And I think that's the danger, but it's also the huge opportunity for brands as they, again, we create those emotional connections. Then we build on them with customer experiences that build trust at every step of the way, um, is a great way to set everyone up for success, both happy customers and then like a thriving business for, for merchants. Thank you. So we've heard predictions, we've heard new product launches, we've heard um, new selling strategies with print out uh, pictures of your stuff if, if the shoppers buy late. Uh, we've heard it all today. So so thanks. Thanks so much, Katie. Thanks, Margaret. We appreciated it. We loved your input. Uh, and for everyone listening, thanks for listening to the Make It Big podcast. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes and make sure you follow us on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for listening to the Make It Big podcast. Want even more insights and expert advice? Experience our Make It Big conference, now available on demand. You'll get e-commerce tips and strategies from global thought leaders like Mark Cuban, Ann Handley, and Neil Patel, plus big commerce partners like Google, TikTok, and more. Watch today at bigcommerce.com slash make it big.